Any proposal from the president to defund the Legal Services Corporation is something that, of course, we take very seriously. But Congress will ultimately decide what our funding is, not the executive branch or an independent agency that Congress makes appropriations to directly. And based on our 42-year history, based on our experience with Congress over the last few years, based on feedback we're getting from members of Congress right now, I remain optimistic that Congress will continue to fund us. But when we read the United States Constitution in the preamble, it says, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, etc. The point is, is that established justice is the first thing in the preamble that the founders of our nation said that we ought to be doing as a federal government. That, to me, is critically important. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. I write a blog called Law Sites and also co-host Law Technology Now, another program here on the Legal Talk Network along with Monica Bay. My co-host on this show, Craig Williams, is off today. We're going to be talking today about President Trump's proposed cuts to the Legal Services Corporation. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our sponsors, Latera and Clio. Latera is the authority on document creation, collaboration, and control. Increase your productivity, collaborate securely, and ensure protection of your vital information. Learn more at www.latera.com. And Clio is the world's leading cloud-based legal practice management solution. Thousands of lawyers and legal professionals trust Clio to help grow and simplify their practices. Learn more about Clio at Clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. On March 16th, President Trump unveiled a draft federal budget, which makes cuts to a number of uh, key federal agencies and programs, including the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, uh, Office of Violence Against Women, Meals on Wheels. Included among those cuts is the Legal Services Corporation, an independent nonprofit established by Congress in 1974 to provide financial support for legal aid programs uh, serving low-income Americans throughout the country. The Legal Services Corporation currently funds 134 independent legal aid organizations with more than 800 offices in the United States. So we're going to talk today about what it would mean uh, if uh, the Legal Services Corporation were to be defunded, talk about uh, the president's proposal and learn a little bit more about the corporation itself. And to help us do that today, we have two guests who are uh, very knowledgeable about this topic. Uh, First of all, let me introduce James J. Sandman. Jim uh, is president of the Legal Services Corporation since 2011. Before that, he practiced law with Arnold and Porter for 30 years and served as the firm's managing partner for a decade. He's also a past president of the 100,000-member District of Columbia Bar and currently the chair of the District of Columbia Circuit Judicial Conference Committee on Pro Bono Legal Services. 
Jim Samian, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer. Thank you, Bob. And uh, let me also introduce attorney Linda Klein. Linda is the president of the American Bar Association and senior managing shareholder at Baker, Donaldson, Beerman, Caldwell, and Berkowitz. Linda uh, previously became the, was the first woman to serve as president of the State Bar of Georgia. When she, during her term uh, in that office, she devised a proposal and advocated for the state to allocate funding for Georgia Legal Services and Atlanta Legal Aid to hire lawyers to help indigent victims of domestic violence. Linda recently issued a statement on behalf of the ABA strongly condemning uh, any proposed cuts to the Legal Services Corporation. Linda Klein, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer. Glad to be here on this very important topic. Thank you. We're very happy to have you. Jim Salmon, let me start with you. Uh, The Legal Services Corporation has requested a budget of about $503 million or $502.7 million, uh, an increase from the prior year's budget, which was $385 million. The administration's draft budget would completely defund the LSC. How serious do you consider this threat to be, and what do you think Congress will ultimately do? Any proposal from the president to defund the Legal Services Corporation is something that, of course, we take very seriously. But Congress will ultimately decide what our funding is, not the executive branch. We're an independent agency that Congress makes appropriations to directly. And based on our 42-year history, based on our experience with Congress over the last few years, based on feedback we're getting from members of Congress right now, I remain optimistic that Congress will continue to fund us. We serve a very important mission. When Congress passed the Legal Services Corporation Act in 1974, they identified the need that they were trying to address. And in the very first section of the law, they said there is a need to provide equal access to the system of justice in our nation for individuals who seek redress of grievances. That need is as great today, actually greater uh, than it was in 1974. The number of people who are financially eligible for legal aid funded by the Legal Services Corporation stands today at about 60 million. That's almost 20% of the American population. I think Congress is aware of the extent of the need. I think individual members of Congress know the important service that LSC-funded legal aid programs provide to their constituents, and I think they'll back us. Linda Klein, let me ask you, let's just assume for a moment that the worst case scenario happens and the LSC is eliminated. What would be the impact of that? It, it would be a disaster. I, I almost can't imagine that when you think about all of the, the people annually who are served by the Legal Services Corporation and then all of the people who are turned away, but yet because the Legal Services Corporation uh, affiliates are there throughout the country, they're almost a, a triage or an emergency room where they help coordinate so much pro bono service around the country. So not only will the individuals who will have literally the courthouse door slammed in their face because they, they can't get lawyers, not only will they be affected, but I also see the impact coming to all of the pro bono programs throughout the U.S. So it will have a, an enormous exponential effect. Jim, what explanation, if any, has the White House or the OMB given for cutting the LSC? Have have you been in communication with anybody there? Have they told you anything about this? We were informed that the recommendation uh, to eliminate 
funding for LSE would be made the evening before it was formally announced, and then the formal document came out a week ago Thursday, the summary budget that's titled A Budget Blueprint to Make America Great Again. And uh, the only information in there is a paragraph on page five that identifies a long list of independent agencies whose funding would be eliminated in the budget proposal forthcoming in in May or so. And we were on that list. But uh, beyond that, no explanation. Linda, I know that, as I mentioned at the outset, you, you on behalf of the ABA, issued a statement uh, opposing these cuts. I, I know that uh, there was a, a letter sent to the uh, Office of Management and Budget by the leaders of 150 major law firms opposing these cuts. Uh, there was a letter sent by the Conference of Chief Justices and the Conference of State Court Administrators uh, urging adequate funding for the LSC. And Linda, in your statement, one of the points that you made is that the the benefits delivered by the Legal Services Corporation far outweigh its costs. I wonder if you could elaborate on that. I mean, what, what did you mean by that? There have been cost-benefit studies, at least 30, that we're aware of at the American Bar Association that show that legal aid delivers far more in benefits than it costs. I know that in, in my home state, when there's a victim of domestic violence, and the Legal Services Corporation's lawyers are able to help that person. Often that means the father pays child support, uh, provides uh, health insurance for the children. Uh, sometimes that might mean additional federal funding that comes into the state in TANF or, or other, uh, other family support. Uh, and you can think about that in, in all other types of, of situations. You might have a senior citizen who's the victim of a scam and by uh, by making sure that the person who has perpetrated the scam on the senior citizen is brought to justice in some way, then the senior citizen is able to perhaps keep their home. There are so many examples that I, I could sit here all day and tell you them, but the point is, is that study after study continues to show that for every dollar we spend on legal services, multiples of that dollar come back. Jim, I... I know that legal services programs around the country do not receive all of their funding from legal services corporation, and there are some that receive no funding from legal services. Many do get funding through IOLTA grants, other services here in Massachusetts where I I am. I've been very involved with the Mass Bar Foundation, which is a a funding entity for a lot of legal services programs. Help us understand what LSC's share of of overall legal services funding is in the United States, Uh, or maybe to put it another way, if LSC were to be cut, what would be left of of the legal aid infrastructure in in the country? LSC is the backbone of the legal aid system in the United States today. We ensure that there is some form of legal assistance available everywhere in every county in the country, and particularly in rural areas, LSC-funded legal aid programs are often the only game in town. There is no alternative, no other legal aid program funded from anybody that's providing service to low-income people. Our 133 grantees currently get about 38% of their total revenue from the Legal Services Corporation. We're we're the biggest single funder of legal aid in the United States. Uh, But that 38% average masks wide variations in the degree to which legal aid programs are dependent on us. In 12 states, legal aid programs that we fund get more than half of their revenue from us. So to to lose that uh, would have devastating consequences to their ability to serve low-income people who can't afford counsel. 
I'd estimate that the legal aid programs that we fund account for about 64% of legal aid services in the United States. Now, some of their funding, as I said, is coming from other sources, but LSE-funded legal aid programs are about 64% of the universe of legal aid programs by volume. So it's a very significant impact across the, the country, and as I said, particularly in, in rural areas where you don't have uh, private resources to fund legal aid and uh, where the, the local LSE-funded legal aid organization is the only alternative people have. So I, I live in Georgia, where 75% of the lawyers are in Atlanta, and about 30% of the property population is in Atlanta. Georgia in square miles is the largest state east of the Mississippi. So we have a vast majority of the state where there just are not a lot of lawyers. We have six counties with no lawyers. So the only legal services that are provided are when legal services lawyers can come to, to those areas. In the Boston area, in Atlanta, in large cities, there are lots of lawyers and lots of lawyers can write checks and help. But the vast majority of square miles in this country, that's not the case. In Georgia, I think, is one of those states where LSC funds provide more than half the money allotted to legal services in the state, if I have that right. Right. We have two providers in Georgia. One is Atlanta Legal Aid, which serves five counties around Atlanta, and the other is Georgia Legal Services that serves the rest of the state. And they're both funded by LSC. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I wonder about specific types of programs. I mean, Linda, a signature initiative of your term as ABA president has been legal services for veterans. If the LSC were to be cut or even uh, severely reduced in its budget, would that have an impact on veterans' legal services? Absolutely. Um, the Legal Services Corporation helps both active duty military and veterans. We have a problem with homeless veterans in this country, and the Legal Services Corporation is, is there to help them with so many of their problems. We learned through the, the studies in our veterans initiative at the ABA that at least half of the problems that lead to homelessness among veterans are legal problems. So I can't even imagine uh, the devastation that would do uh, to that most vulnerable population. It seems that as I, as from what I've read about cutting funding for LSC, it, it seems that all roads kind of lead back to the Heritage Foundation, a conservative group which has advocated for cutting the uh, LSC from the federal budget. Uh, and its position is that basically that it isn't the job of the federal government to provide this kind of uh, legal aid, that that should be left to state and local governments. Jim, what's your response to that argument? I go back to the founding of our country, and I think the principles expressed by uh, the founders and the framers of the Constitution directly refute that. Thomas Jefferson said, the most sacred of the duties of government is to do impartial and equal justice to all its citizens. The most sacred of the duties of government. I don't think he was talking about state and local government when he said that. There is a fundamental national interest in the rule of law and people having access to a well-functioning justice system that can address their needs. If you don't have that, that is a problem at the national level. When people lose confidence in, in the justice system, you won't long have a nation to defend or worth defending. You can find similar statements in the writings of 
Alexander Hamilton and of James uh, Madison. Uh, Federalist number 51 addresses this, this issue. I think it is a core purpose of any national government, particularly in a democracy, to be certain that there is equal justice under law. The, the closing words of the Pledge of Allegiance, justice for all, I don't think there's any distinction there between the role of the federal government and state and local governments in ensuring that fundamental promise of America to its citizens. I'd like to add, I, I can never be as articulate as Jim there, but I do want to add <laughs> That's not true, Linda, point. but go ahead. <laughs> uh, but when we read the United States Constitution in the preamble, it says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, etc. The point is, is that established justice is the first thing in the preamble that the founders of our nation said that we ought to be doing as a federal government. That, to me, is critically important. Linda's got it exactly right, and I, I don't think that when the framers in the first paragraph of the Constitution identified their priorities, I don't think their order of listing was an accident. Establishing justice comes right after forming a more perfect union. I think they recognize that having a well-functioning, accessible system of justice is essential to societal stability. It's the starting point for all of the values and goals that come after. This is what the great judge learned at hand meant when he said in addressing the Legal Aid Society of New York in 1951, if we are to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. What he was talking about was the connection between the rule of law and the integrity of a democracy. Jim and Linda, please stay with us. We have to take a short break. We will be right back after these words from our sponsors. Clio is an invaluable software solution for law firms of all sizes, handling all the demands of your growing practice from a single cloud-based platform. Clio enhances your firm with features such as matter and document management, time tracking, and even billing. Clio is an effortless tool that helps lawyers focus on what they do best, practice law. Learn more at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Documents are the currency of business. They represent you in every business interaction. Executives need to know what changes have occurred in documents, what metadata risks exist, and how to encrypt, share, and collaborate securely. Patera simplifies the document creation and collaboration process to protect you from risk and loss of reputation. Patera offers better solutions for document lifecycle management so you can focus on doing what really matters www.latera.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi, and uh, with us today is Jim Sandman, president of the Legal Services Corporation, and Linda Klein, president of the American Bar Association. We're talking about federal budgets proposed uh, elimination of the Legal Services Corporation. Linda, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I, I know that you know there's been a lot of discussion about uh, the justice gap in this country, and in particular, one of the uh, effects of that has been uh, a rise in more people uh, representing themselves. We're seeing that in courts throughout the country. What would the impact be uh, on these cuts to this issue of self-represented litigants? 
any cut to the Legal Services Corporation budget would likely show perhaps a flooding of courts with the number of unrepresented people. Uh, judges tell me all the time that pro se litigants slow down the court process because they, they certainly don't know the process and they need additional help. And so if we were to flood the courts with even more pro se litigants, that would cause delay for all litigants in the court. Uh, it would make the administration of justice all the more difficult for all of the state and local courts that we rely upon. And therefore, it's going to uh, decrease the quality of justice in the United States, something that we can ill afford. Jim, Sam, this is not the first time a president uh, has sought to eliminate the LSC. Uh, back in the early 1980s, President Reagan tried to do that. He failed in doing that, thanks to bipartisan opposition. But one of the things that did happen at that point was that he succeeded in imposing restrictions on LSC-funded organization, uh, including bans on, on lobbying, on class action lawsuits, and on providing assistance to undocumented immigrants. Do you have any reason to believe or, or to think or anticipate that trying to get some sorts of restrictions, further restrictions on the LSC could uh, be an outcome of this current uh, budget round? No, I've heard no no suggestion about that. I have not heard any conversation about the need for additional restrictions. The talk is only about funding or not funding, but no suggestion that there is any need for additional restrictions. I mean, there does still seem to be concern from conservative corners in particular, something that's been expressed any number of times over the years that legal aid lawyers spend too much time litigating, you know, political and social causes and not enough time uh, uh, representing those that they're intended to serve. What do you say to critics of the LSC who, who raise that issue? Uh, I think they're decades out of date in their understanding of what LSC-funded legal aid lawyers do. The facts are exactly to the contrary. The work of a legal aid lawyer today at an LSC-funded program is dealing with the day-to-day bread-and-butter legal problems of people who can't afford a lawyer. They're dealing with uh, domestic abuse issues. They're helping veterans get benefits. They're preventing wrongful foreclosures and evictions. Sixty percent of the cases on average that our grantees handle are in the areas of family and housing law. Those those aren't hot-button political matters. The, The restrictions that Congress has enacted prohibit our grantees from getting involved in political matters, and they don't get involved in them. LSC has a rigorous oversight and enforcement function here. We visit our grantees regularly to be sure that they're in compliance with the law, and they are. The facts do not prove those allegations. In fact, they disprove them quite strongly. Linda, I wonder if you could just kind of talk to us more about what you see the ABA's role as being here and and what the ABA will be doing going forward around this issue? The ABA was involved in the very beginning in 1974 uh, when uh, ABA President Lewis Powell, who later became a Supreme Court justice, uh, led the ABA in supporting the formation of the Legal Services Corporation. Uh, President Nixon was president, and this has consistently been an overwhelmingly bipartisan uh, effort. And so all members of the ABA are very interested in this. When I heard about this, I expressed the outrage of of not only myself, but of the entire association. So we immediately got busy. 
Uh, we created defendlegalaid.org, and I hope that everybody listening will go to defendlegalaid.org. When you get there, there'll be a form for you to fill out for you to tell your member of Congress uh, exactly why you believe the Legal Services Corporation should be fully funded. And if you need some talking points for that, there's a link to helplegalaid.org, uh, which will give you some advice about things you might want to say, but please put it in your own words. And then if you're not sure who your members of Congress are, we help you with that too. Uh, and if you upload your picture, that would even be better, uh, but you don't have to. And when you fill out that form, a card is going to print at the ABA's office in Washington, D.C. And then sometime between April 25th and April 27th, which we call ABA Day in Washington, D.C., and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But sometime between those dates, we're going to hand deliver every one of these cards to your member of Congress. So whatever you fill out, you can rest assured that the ABA will deliver it to your members of Congress to tell them why you believe the uh, uh, Legal Services Corporation should be fully funded. You do not have to be a lawyer to fill this out. You can ask your friends. Uh, you can ask the people you exercise with, the people you worship with, the people in your office to please fill out this form so that we can show just how deep the support is for funding the Legal Services Corporation. We have been all over social media. I had the privilege of speaking at the tech show where I last saw you last Friday on uh, uh, March 17. And we talked about uh, funding the Legal Services Corporation there. And at the tech show, there were so many tweeters uh, that we really appreciated all of the, uh, the, the traffic we got on Twitter about this. I've been on all other kinds of social media, and so many other people have, and we're encouraging everyone to use their social media outlets, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, et cetera, to talk about uh, the importance of funding the Legal Services Corporation. But I do want to invite everyone to join us on April 25 through 27 when we talk with our members of Congress uh, about funding the Legal Services Corporation. Every year, the ABA has what we call ABA Day. It's now two and a half days. And lawyers from all over the country, from all 50 states, come to meet with their members of Congress and tell them about the importance of funding the Legal Services Corporation. We do it every year. This year, it's especially important. So if anyone would like to come join us, uh, please go to AMBAR, A-M-B-A-R, AMBAR.org slash ABA Day. And we'd be glad to have you join us. Thanks. Jim, what would you add to that in terms of what our listeners who, who support Legal Services Corporation can do to help you here? Well, Bob, I am permitted by law to lobby Congress myself, but I'm not permitted to engage in grassroots lobbying, that is to ask other people to do things uh, on behalf of LSC. So I'm not able to respond to that question. Fair enough. But I'm happy to. <laughs> and I think you just did, yeah. I'm happy to respond. And, uh, and if anybody has uh, has any other ideas about how we can organize people who are interested in this topic, please contact me. And at the end of the show, we'll give you some uh, contact information. But uh, defendlegalaid.org is where we'd like everyone to start. Great. Well, we are just about at the end of our time, and before we conclude the program, we do like to give each of you an opportunity to give your closing thoughts on this, and also, uh, as you just suggested, Linda, to provide any further information to our listeners on how they can follow up on these issues or follow up with you. So, Jim, Sam, let's start with you. Uh, get your final thoughts. 
There is no American value more fundamental than equal justice under law. That's what the Legal Services Corporation is about. We are as American as apple pie and the 4th of July. I think Congress knows that. And I'm, t- I'm optimistic that we're going to be around for a long time to come. Great. And are there any uh, sources or, or other uh, contact information that you'd care to let our listeners know about to find out more about this? People are welcome to come to our website, uh, lsc.gov. We have a Facebook page. We have an active Twitter account where we keep people updated on developments affecting us and highlighting all our great work. One of the great features of our website is a state-by-state story bank that provides real-life examples of the life-changing legal services that our grantees provide across the entire United States and the territories. It's a very rich resource. It's lsc.gov. So friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, and I I would mention there's also a a very detailed explanation of your budget request on your website that uh, goes into uh, uh, much more granular detail than we've gotten anywhere near in this show. So anybody who's interested uh, should go there and and read that. Uh, Linda Klein, how about you, your final thoughts? Again, it's hard to be uh, more articulate than Jim Sandman, but I will tell you that the lfc.gov website is uh, one of the most transparent organizations I've, I've ever seen. The detail that they give, whatever you want to know, is there. It is very, very impressive. I think perhaps a closing thought for me is we haven't talked about any of the individual people and what it means. And I was thinking about the floods uh, last year in West Virginia and how many families lost everything. Many of them lost the papers that they needed, the insurance papers and the deeds to claim flood benefits. And Legal Aid of West Virginia had to help hundreds and hundreds of people. And I was told the story of a woman whose house was destroyed and FEMA didn't give her the aid that she was entitled to because she couldn't get a copy of her insurance policy. And the legal aid lawyer stepped in, helped her file her complaints, and she was able to get the documentation she needed. And then a pro bono lawyer uh, stepped up and helped her with her FEMA appeal. And ultimately, she received $22,000 from FEMA that helped her rebuild her house. She would not have had that without the help of the Legal Services Corporation lawyers and, and pro bono attorneys that were helping alongside them. That's the kind of thing that the Legal Services Corporation does for our country and how important it is. And I can't imagine uh, an America without it. With that, defendlegalaid.org is where we'd like everyone to start. We'll get you to other resources if you need them to help you with your grassroots lobbying that we are allowed to do on Legal Services Corporation funding, which is very important. And if you need to reach me, I'm at president at americanbar.org. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about this very, very important issue. Well, let us hope that Congress does the right thing here and uh, not only funds Legal Services Corporation, but increases the funding of Legal Services Corporation because it's I like I like the way you think, Bob. This country. <laughs> uh, and Jim Sandman, president of the Legal Services Corporation, Linda Klein, president of the American Bar Association, thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us today. It's been a really interesting and informative discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Bob. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi. Uh, Thanks for listening on behalf of everybody at the Legal Talk Network. Next time you think legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for joining us. 
Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast, covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.